Welcome to the Miami Church Podcast. My name is Crystal Guayco, and I will be your host for today. If you want more information about Miami Church or would love to get connected, email us at hello at mammychurch.com. Without further ado, here's the message. Enjoy! <laughs> hey, good morning. How are we doing? I feel like the energy in here is about like the weather outside. Like, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, let's go, people. Come on. Just the rain. We live in Miami. You know why I shave my hair? Because you don't have to worry about the rain. Just boom, go. Just kidding. All right. Hey, well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. We are continuing a series that we are calling The Struggle is Real. And I don't know if you watched the news, but earlier this week, Tuesday to be exact, the Surgeon General of the United States, who is the top medical person in the United States, released a report, and the report was entitled, Our Epidemic of Loneliness and Isolation. Now, it's an 82-pager if you really want to read it. It's good right before you go to bed, you'll sleep well, right? 82 pages on why our country is in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation. In the report, he says this, he says, Americans have become increasingly lonely and isolated, and this lack of social connection is having a profound effect on our mental and our physical health. He says that advisories uh, from the American's top doctor, t- they typically, this is, they don't, this is the first time this has ever happened in the United States where someone, uh, where the top doctor in the United States has highlighted the issue of loneliness. In fact, the research says that more than half of people who are in Americans Over 50% of Americans identify or self-identify as lonely. And in fact, younger adults, so if you're in your 20s, young adults are almost twice as likely to report feeling lonely than those who are older. The Surgeon General says that people tell me they feel isolated, invisible, and insignificant. And this is directly from the report. It says, even when they couldn't put their finger... Uh, on the word lonely, time and time again, people of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds from every corner of the country, they tell me this, and this is a direct quote, I have to shoulder all of life's burdens by myself, and if I disappear tomorrow, no one will even notice. You ever feel lonely? Isolated? Insignificant? disconnected. I mean, how can this be? I mean, we live, in a, we live in a major global city. I mean, right, here's the metro rail right outside. This is actually one of the busiest roadways in the United States. We are surrounded every single day by thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of people. It's everywhere. It's in the car. It's in the grocery store. It's at your school. How can we feel lonely? How can this be an epidemic? That one author kind of terms this idea of living in the city but being lonely is what he calls crowded loneliness. Meaning we are surrounded by people, yet inside we feel lonely. When was the last time you just felt isolated? Here's the truth as I've researched this. We have never been more connected as a culture, yet we've never felt more Alone. Think about this. Our culture, our, our, our community, right, this time in history, we've never been more connected, yet statistics tell us that people 
have never felt more alone. And in all my research, this is maybe the saddest thing that I came across, this. Only 18% of people in the United States have someone that they can talk to. That hurts my heart. Because we were created as human beings to know and to be known. We were created to love and to be loved, yet only 18% of people say that they actually have someone that they can talk to. See, the Surgeon General is not the first one to call this an epidemic. Many experts in this field are calling what's happening in our society in regards to loneliness a cultural epidemic. Now, again, loneliness is not just a bad feeling. Right, that's part of it, but but it, it has individual and societal health factors. In fact, loneliness is associated with cardiovascular disease, dementia, stroke, depression, anxiety, and premature death. Loneliness is is increasingly being considered a human health hazard, comparable to obesity and smoking. That this was an interesting persistent loneliness. Like we all feel loneliness at some time. But the idea of continual or persistent loneliness can become a serious problem that damages both your physical health and shortens your lifespan. In fact, health experts are saying that persistent loneliness is the same or has the same effects on you mentally and physically as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And research on this, this is very interesting. Research on this is in cultures or societies that the higher the use of social media, the higher those who self-identify as lonely, or as we talked about in part two of this series, the higher use of social media, the higher right, the, the effects of depression and stress and anxiety. In fact, studies on this have shown that, that the younger you are, the lonelier you feel. I mean, is this how it's supposed to be? We just like, is this how it's going to be? I mean, this is not how you and I were created. We were created by our creator to be known and to know. And so maybe you're like, well, Greg, this just seems like a, a technology problem, right? Like, we didn't have all these problems before the iPhone and the iPad and the i-whatever. And in fact, you've seen it, right? Have you ever been out at a restaurant and you're sitting there and there's a, there's a family, you know, over at a table beside you, right? And dad's on his phone. And mom's on, his phone, on her phone, and the kids are all on there, right? And you're just going like, why are you guys even here? There's no interaction. We've seen that, right? And I do believe technology is an issue, but, but I would say it this way. It's not just a, a, a technology problem. It's a human problem. And what technology has done, it is it has revealed it, or it has amplified it, or magnified. This is a human condition in a human problem, and I believe there's a devious disconnect underway in our culture, and it's not just a tech problem, it's a human problem, but here's the problem. It's killing us, literally killing us. Physical health, mental health, stress, anxiety disorders, depression, the struggle is real. And this is just not how we were created to live. This is not what God intended. This is not our divine design. In fact, there's another kind of angle of this that I have seen in my time as a pastor. When he, if you push it into the Christian or the church world, right? what I've discovered is when I talk to Christians or I talk to followers of Jesus, sometimes they'll say something to me like this. Well, Greg, I like Jesus, 
I'm just not into the church. Or, or they'll say something like this, like, like I'm good with Jesus. Like, I read my Bible, I'll do a podcast, but I don't need church. I don't need organized religion. You ever heard someone say that? Maybe you say it yourself. And, I, and, and in some ways, I get it. I grew up in a church, or I grew up in an environment where what's what I call it, I call it vertical orientation. And what does this mean? Vertical orientation is this brand of Christianity that's, that's vertical, right? It's between me and God, right? Everything is personal. And it's just me and God, it's a personal thing, and it's all about morality, it's all about behavior, it's all about doing the right things. And as long as I behave myself and do the right things and give a little money and be nice, right, then God, me and God are good. But the problem is, as I study the early church, as I study the way of Jesus, as, as, I, as I study and my theology says and my experience says that that's just not actually the complete picture of the gospel. In fact, there's a, that can be a recipe for self-righteousness or judgmentalism or isolation. So why? Why does the Surgeon General of the United States release an 82-page report that says we're dying? Why is loneliness and isolation so destructive, not just to your mental health, but to your physical health? Why does vertical Christianity, or that brand of Christianity, doesn't, why does it not work? Divine design. You were created by your creator as a human. You were created in your core. You were hardwired from your core for community. You were created, I was created to, to be in need of each other. We were created for connection, and we were created for community. And this doesn't just talk to 2023. This goes back all the way to the beginning. And so if you feel isolated or invisible or insignificant, the writer of the Hebrews has words for us today that I hope will encourage us. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. And here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Again, he's talking to followers of Jesus. He says this. Let us hold firmly to the hope that we claim to have. The God who, that God who promised is faithful. He, said, he says, hold firmly, right? The, 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 the language here is like grab as, as tight as you, as if your life depends on it. Like grab on and don't let go. Hold firmly with a strong grip to what? To hope. Who's the hope? The hope is in Jesus, right? And that we can trust that God will do what he's promised. And look, look what he says in the next verse, verse 24. He says, let us consider how we can stir up one another to love. Let us help one another do good works. Let us consider. The idea here is how do we give special attention? Like how do we contemplate? Like let, how, do, how, do we, how do we stir up one another to love? How, how do we do that? How do we spur one another? How do we encourage one another to love? Now, don't miss this key. There's a, there's a teaching here in the principle here, right? As a follower of Jesus, right, I have a responsibility to God. I do. I have a personal relationship with God, and I have a responsibility there. But what the New Testament and the early church teaches is, is not only do I have a responsibility to God, at the same time, I also have a responsibility to you. I have a responsibility to others. I have a responsibility to the church. In fact, you'll see this phrase here. He says, let us consider how we can stir up one another, 
to love. He also says, let us help one another do good work. See, this phrase, one another, it actually occurs over 50 times in the New Testament. And so to, as, as the New Testament writers, as Jesus is teaching followers of Jesus, he keeps saying this over and over, one another, one another. He says things like this, love one another in John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give you what? Love one another. How will they know that I'm a follower of Jesus? By my love for one another. He says, honor one another, Romans 12, 10. Honor one another above yourself. He says, greet one another, 1 Peter 5, 14. Greet one another with a kiss of love, peace to all of you who are in Christ. He says, show hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4, 9. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. He says, have fellowship with one another, like hang out with one another, 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. He says, live in harmony, live at peace with one another. Romans 15, 5, may God who gives the patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with what? One another. He says, be kind to one another. Ephesians chapter 4, 32, be kind and compassionate to who? To one another. And then it keeps going in that verse. Forgive one another. Forgiving one another just as Christ Jesus has forgiven you. He says, pray for one another. Therefore, confess your sins to who? One another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. He says this in Ephesians 5.19. He says, sing to one another or sing with one another, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making a melody in your heart to God. We just did that up here. He says, serve one another. 1 Peter 4.10. As each of you receive this gift, use it to what? Serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. See, here's what I'm trying to get at. This idea of one another, serve one another, care for one another, accept one another, submit to one another, restore one another, carry one another's word. It's used over 50 times in the New Testament. Now, the way of Jesus, the way that Jesus teaches, the way that early church modeled is that you can't do this alone. You cannot follow Jesus you cannot do the way of Jesus alone. It's both vertical and horizontal at the same time. The complete gospel is both vertical, me and my relationship to God, and also me and my relationship with the church. Think of it this way. Baptism. One of the examples that Jesus did, one of the teachings of the early church, is that when someone is old enough to understand and they, they give their life to Jesus, or they, they make Jesus the leader of their life, the first step is to go public with baptism. Now, baptism gets confusing in our culture because different kinds of churches have tried to add to or they change. But the simple teaching of the New Testament, it's really simple, is that when a person, right, get, makes Jesus the leader of the life, the first step is baptism. And we do that. We have baptism. So you see this baptism picture. Now, <coughs> here's the thing about baptism. Baptism has an individual component, but it also has a community component. It has an individual component, and, a, and it, right, baptism is, is, is activating your faith, right? Now, here's the deal with baptism. You can't baptize yourself, right? You have to baptize in community. Now, and the way we do it, is what I love about the way we do it here at Miami Church, right? right? Again, you're from the beach looking out here, and here's Julio, right? 
But on the beach, standing right on the edge of the water, is the community. And one of the things I always tell people when I'm out there, <coughs> sorry, I'm struggling, uh, when I'm baptizing is, is, hey, this is about you and God, but it's also about you and this community. And there's a, you'll look across the beach, and there'll be like all these people standing, they're ready to cheer, right? And it's idea of like, hey, God, I'm, I'm, I'm going public with my faith, right, that I believe in you, but I'm also stepping into your community. You can't do that in isolation. And that's what he's saying in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. He says, you're a follower of Jesus. He says, he says you've got to really spend some time thinking about how, how is it that you encourage or spur or stir up others in the community, right? How do you help them do what God has called them to do? How do you sharpen them? How do you push them? How do you, how do you develop them? How do you help them grow? Verse 25, this is it. And let us, again, followers of Jesus, and let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but instead let us encourage, here's our word again, one another with words of hope. Let us do this even more as we see Christ return approaching. He says, don't stop. Don't give up. Instead, encourage one another. Now, it's kind of simple. The Surgeon General of the United States, right, comes out with an 82-page report that says that we are in an epidemic of loneliness and isolation and that it's killing us, literally, mentally and physically. Jesus said it 2,000 years ago. It's why Lone Ranger Christianity doesn't work. It's, it's why the idea like, well, man, I love Jesus. I just don't like the church. I don't want to be part of the community. That's why everyone that I have ever known that took that approach eventually walked away from their faith. Why? Because there is a divinely designed correlation between community and faithfulness. Just bank this principle. There's a divinely designed, it's how we were created as human. There's a correlation between community and faithfulness. We were created. This is how we were created. That our faith, our, our followership of Jesus comes alive in community, that our faith comes alive when we are together. Think about this, this me version, version of Christianity. I like me. Me and me get along pretty well. We agree. We agree a lot. I agree with me a lot. I'm, I'm right a lot. We're right, Greg, we're right. Yeah, we're good, right? But where do I grow? Where do I stretch myself? Where am I pushed, right? Not here. Because I agree with me. We're good. Take a nap. All right? I agree, right, by who? How am I pushed to grow? How do I become better? You. When you drive me crazy. So I'm just picking on him. Okay, right? Right? When you challenge me. Right? When you, when, you, when, you, when you stretch me. When you ask me to do something beyond what I think I can do. When you, when you, when you push me to give or you push me to serve or to push me to do something... Beyond what I think, that's where I grow. That's where I grow in my grace. That's where I grow in my patience. That's where I grow in my peace. That's where I grow in my hospitality. Because here's the key principle. When we isolate ourselves from each other, we inevitably isolate ourselves from God. When we isolate ourselves from each other, we inevitably isolate ourselves from God. See, God, God gave us the solution. It's this, it's this beautiful community called church. Again, that word has become all kinds of things it was never intended to be. But the original beautiful idea was that a group of followers of Jesus would gather together 
They would be on mission together. They would lock arms together. And he says, we weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We do life together. And, and though we're not perfect and, and we're deeply flawed, right, and we're not going to always get it right, that we do life together in community, that we bear each other's burdens, that we, that we love each other, that we sing with each other, and that we, that we encourage each other, that we push each other, and that in that we activate our faith, and that we help. And as the writer of Hebrews says, we encourage, we spur one another on to activate their faith. It activates my faith, right, from you. And then I am part of my responsibility to you is as we're going, as I encourage, I spur, I push to activate your faith. See, the Surgeon General of the United States, he released an 82-page report. And you can read it. It's online. It's, very, it's in great detail. And he's going to say, here are all the consequences. Here are all the mental and the physical consequences or the results when we as individuals, when we as a society isolate ourselves and are lonely, when we don't follow the way of Jesus. And there's a great line in there. This is his line. I, I can't make this up. There's a great line in there that he says this in his little thing. He says, a source of healing is hiding in plain sight. A source of healing is hiding in plain sight. Have we as a people, have we as a culture, have we as a society, have we become too smart? <laughs> have we, we tried to develop all of these things when, when reality, this simple idea is that Jesus created you and me, that we were designed by the Creator to live together in community. We were designed to, to be in relationship with God. Yes, there is a vertical orientation, but there's also this horizontal orientation. And as we do life together, as we do community, yes, it's hard, and yes, it's messy, but yes, it's the way of Jesus. And in those relationships, in that community, is where we actually can be, where we can activate the people, the women, the men that we were actually created to be. So the Surgeon General of the United States, I don't know where he is on his faith. I think he's from Miami. He can give you the data, but the solution is simply found in the very way of Jesus, of following him. And so my encouragement to you and to me is everything inside of you, when you're in pain or when you're struggling or when you're discouraged, is to run and hide. Everything inside of you, every human instinct says go and isolate. And I've seen it hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. And it always leads to pain. It always leads to problems. But the way of Jesus says, no, 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 when you're struggling, when you're in pain, when you've got questions, when you got doubt, when you don't know, when you want to be challenged, right, run toward, run toward community, run toward the church, run toward the, the, the way of Jesus. And in that is where we find healing, and hope, and restoration, and life, and it's what activates us to be the men and women that God called us to be. So don't give up doing. Don't give up gathering together, as some are in the habit of doing, but instead, right, keep going, because there's so much hope in life there. Can I just pray for us? Thanks so much for listening today. 
We would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us on our social media channels or send us an email at hello at mamichurch.com. Also, be sure to subscribe because you don't want to miss out on any future conversations. I hope our time together inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey.